Okay, friends, it's time for another Robcast. And this one, my word, here's the situation. I'm in the green room on Saturday in March. I'm in the green room of the Crescent Ballroom, which is this fantastic club. And if you live in the Phoenix Tempe area, you know the Crescent Ballroom. The Crescent Ballroom is has all these amazing bands. I think they have a different band every night. But then there's a restaurant in the front. You have to go through the restaurant to get to the club. And the restaurant makes some of the best tacos in the world. So I'm here for the How to Be Here tour. And it's almost like you pick the place with the best tacos, and then it happens to have the perfect space. And so it's lunchtime on Saturday, and they just brought us our tacos. So I'm going to have the best tacos. They're sitting there calling my name. But first, I thought I'd do a Robcast. And uh, so we're just taking a break, and then we'll I'll go back in in a minute and keep going. We go all day. And these events, uh, I swear half the room was like tearing up in the last hour, what we were talking about, and people just asking these questions about their lives, and we're working through, I sort of taking them through the ideas in my book, How to Be Here, and it's like I had this idea, you know you have an idea and you think it could really work, and then it really does work, and you're kind of surprised, but also not surprised, but really surprised, and so grateful, and so I've been talking all day. I'm going to talk right now to you, and then I'm going to keep talking. And there's a reason why I'm telling you about all this talking. This podcast is called Letting the Land Lie Fallow, which I thought was the longest, bulkiest title for a Robcast ever, but (laughs) sometimes a good title is half the battle. And here's what I want to do. I want to tell you about an ancient law, and then I want to tell you about a ritual that I practice And then I want to tell you about what's happened to me in the past couple of weeks. And I want to give you some hope about what might be possible for your life. So we're going to start. And I'm going to start from the uh, passage in the book of Leviticus, chapter 25. You just didn't see that coming with the Robcast, did you? Come on now. Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, third book in the Bible. Leviticus, chapter 25. There is a line. There's There's an ancient command. And it says... But in the seventh year, the land is to have a year of Sabbath rest. Or uh, one translation says, sow and reap your crops for six years, but let the land rest and lie fallow during the seventh year. So letting the land lie fallow means you don't plant crops and you don't harvest the crop, but you let the land just sit there for a year. And by the way, these laws from Leviticus 25 are called Shemitah, S-H-M-I-T-A, Shemitah. And Shemitah means release, which essentially means let release the land from its need to provide food for you. Uh, let it rest. And so in this ancient Near Eastern agricultural society, there was this rule, a six and one rhythm to your relationship to the soil. So you for six years you plant crops, but then you take a year and you let the land rest. Otherwise, you'll deplete it. And in that year of rest, the land, the nutrients are replenished and the land restores itself so that it can provide you food for another 
six years. So it's this idea of rhythm, the idea of a six and one rhythm built into creation and built into your relationship to the soil. And this law was called Shemitah. Say it with me now, Shemitah. Uh, And it's also interesting, if you look at the ancient commentary about this, it's not just to let the land rest, but it's to let you rest because it's good for you. So what you do is you would simply store up food so that when it came to that year, you would have some food stored up that you could live on so that you would get rest. Because otherwise, if every year is exactly like the year after it and the year before that, then all time is exactly like all other time. And what that does is create despair. Despair is what happens when every day is simply, and every year is simply a repeat of what came before it and what came after it. So part of this rhythm was about this sense that not all time is exactly like all other time. So it's not just for the land to rest. It's because you need a Shemitah. You need a Sabbath rest. Now, uh, let's move from this ancient, obscure law you may have never heard about to Friday afternoons. Because for years on Friday afternoons, well over a decade now, on Friday afternoons I turn off my computer. I don't even put it to sleep. I shut it off. And it makes that like sound. And here's the interesting thing. My body by now, I literally have a physiological reaction when my computer gets turned off of rest and release. It's like the work of the week is done even if it isn't. And I don't turn the computer back on the rest of Friday and all day Saturday. I do other things. I don't, my work is creating, so I don't create anything. I play with my family, friends. Um, and then sometimes on Sunday, I turn it back on in order to record a Robcast. Otherwise, um, I pretend like all the work is done, even if it isn't. And to this day, on Friday afternoons, when I turn off that computer, it's like, <sighs> and the reason why I do this is because. I had a really, really bad burnout uh, over a decade ago, really bad. Um, and I burned out because most of my days during those days were like all the other days in my life. Go, 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 work, work, work. I was young. We'd started a church. I had all these responsibilities. I was giving sermons. I was going to the hospital or the prison. I was doing weddings. I was doing funerals. I was in budget meetings. I was going and going and going. And that's all I knew was you just go and go and go. And if I wasn't working, I was probably thinking about work or talking with Kristen about work, Um, and I couldn't sustain it, and I had a bad, bad burnout. Um, Maybe sometime I'll tell you more about what that was like, but uh, even when I was not going, I was thinking about going. Even when I was not working, I was thinking about working, and then it didn't work, and my body was shot. The doctor was literally like, your adrenaline glands are completely empty, (laughs) Um, and so Kristen and I, at that time, around that time, 2003, maybe-ish, we had sort of stumbled into this ancient practice of Sabbath, where you treat one day different than the other days. And uh, when we tried practicing Sabbath, I wasn't very good at it. We would just be kind of depressed, because the modern world, it's like a hit, all this stuff that we do. It's like a drug. And when you would, we would take a day to treat it differently than the other days, we didn't know what to do with ourselves. Um, we wanted more rhythm in our life. 
But it wasn't just the body and the calendar, but it was my mind. I didn't know how to shut it off. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like even if you try to like step back and rest, your brain is still buzzing. Um, but we try. We kept. We kept observing. Kept trying to do the Sabbath, and over time, it started to become like a, a serious ritual for us. Um, and you got to take sort of take it easy. You can't be. It's a gift, so you don't can't take it hard on yourself. But what happened is it started to really affect the way we see everything. I actually write about this in the new book. Um, and the great Heschel said that the. It's been said that the. Sabbath gives the universe the energy it needs to continue for another six days. So for well over a decade now, I just know, no matter what I'm involved in, whatever I'm doing, Friday afternoon, I'll turn off that computer, and something about practicing this rhythm of life, when it's time to get back to work, Sunday or Monday, I'm ready to go, like it works. And those of you who do this, you know what I'm talking about. There is something so mysterious and strangely mystical about having a rhythm of life that just changes everything. And then, two weeks ago, my new book came out. And as part of that, I was trying to think, what would be the most fun thing to do with this book? And I was like, I've never done a book tour where I actually could interact with people significantly about the ideas in the book for a long period of time. So I was like, what if I went around on Saturdays for the rest of the year and did How to Be Here events. We'll call it the How to Be Here experience. And I'll do bookstores Friday night. Some of you know exactly where this is going. Um, Friday night, I'll do a bookstore. And then Saturday night from 10 to 6, we'll just do this like in the round giant living room where we'll talk about the ideas in the book and it'll be fantastic. So I've been doing that for two weeks in addition to a couple trips to New York and we did Denver and we did Chicago. So as you can imagine, the past two weeks, the exact moment when for over a decade I would be landing the plane and turning off the computer and stepping back and resting and playing, I got on airplanes and went and worked. And so I thought, well, I'll just fly home on Saturday nights and then Sunday I'll uh, chill. Sundays will be like the Sabbath. I'll just chill out Sunday. But uh, what I discovered, like Kristen and I went to the beach last week on Sunday, and on Sunday I was still buzzing from Saturday and telling Kristen about, I met this person, and this person asked this question, and then it made me think about this idea and jotting notes about future books and podcasts based on something somebody said. And uh, I ended up talking about, well, then next week we're going to do this, and I would end up, if you're talking about work, then you're kind of working, let's be honest. <laughs> And Stratton's here eating tacos with me laughing because that's true. You're like, you're, if you're sitting there talking about work, you might as well be working. Um, so I was like, well, the Sunday thing isn't working. So I was like, well, how about the middle of the week, like Wednesday? And Kristen was like, that's a good idea. If you're going to be working on weekends now for a while, then the middle of the week you should just check out. Um, so I tried that. So this past week I was like, okay, Wednesday, I'm just going to completely go off the grid. But what's really interesting is no one else is going off the grid on Wednesday. And inevitably, it's like, well, I'll just do this one email. <laughs> I'll just go surfing, and that'll be fine. But then you'd be like, ooh, look, at a voicemail while I was in the water. <laughs> um, so that didn't really work. And so I'm completely out of whack. I'm just a mess. <laughs> and I'm having a great time. But I'm also, and here's why I say all this. There are rhythms built into creation, rhythms built into the soil. 
there is a rhythm that your body wants and your mind and your heart and your soul and your spirit wants to live by. And if you don't honor those rhythms, things start to unravel. And you think about how much despair, how much agony, how many people feel out of whack in the modern world, and then you think about how many people live with no rhythm. There is a direct relationship between the two. And here's what I notice. When I'm not in a healthy daily and weekly rhythm, I have thoughts that I normally wouldn't have, like, what's the point of it? Why even do it? Does any of this mean anything? There's like little flickers of thought. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's like you're just going to work and you have this like, seriously, who are we kidding? What's the point of any of this? And you're like, what, what am I thinking? Of? Where did that come from? You know you're in trouble when you have thoughts that you normally don't have about despair, meaning, significance, existential angst that just sort of invade. Sometimes I wonder if it's simply because your body, mind, soul, and spirit are depleted. And when you're down and when your defenses aren't up, and when your energy is low, and when you have violated the natural boundaries and rhythms that are all around you, no wonder it's easy for all sorts of weird stuff to come in over the fence and to come in and bombard your mind and your heart. Now, here's why I say this. There seems to be a scholarly consensus that the Israelites didn't observe the Shemitah laws. Isn't that fascinating? So these laws were basically every six years, take a break, party, rest, let the land rest. And there's all this interesting commentary. There's no evidence that they ever actually did it. They never actually did it. Now, here's what's really interesting. is Years later, these former Hebrew slaves settle in the land of Israel, and they build a nice little kingdom, a nice little empire in Jerusalem. And then the Babylonians come. Their rulers become corrupt. They exploit the poor. The gap between rich and poor continues to widen. That's, by the way, the prophets, the Hebrew prophets, and the minor prophets. Those books are all basically the birth of social justice. And some people would argue it's the first articulated vision of social justice in human history is the Hebrew prophets, who they rise up and they speak against the system. And they say this system has become corrupt. Those in power, those with their hand on the wheel, are using their power and influence to exploit the powerless and to, to use and abuse the poor. And this gap has become so wide, and some people are living in palaces, and some people can't scrape together enough coins for a meal. And so these prophets rise up and say, the whole thing is in trouble. Because when you ignore the least of these, the whole thing becomes vulnerable. And then the Babylonians came and conquered Jerusalem and hauled everybody away to exile in Babylon. So the, it's sort of the big story at the center of the Bible. It's essentially, by the way, basically it's all the stuff we're talking about now. By the way, it's all the stuff the presidential candidates are talking about, or I would add not talking about to some degree, right? <laughs> um, and what's really interesting is one of the prophets is explaining why the exile happened 
why did Babylon come and destroy them and haul them away to a land far away? And he says, this happened because you didn't let the land lie fallow. Essentially says, you did not give the land the rest that it needed. And so essentially the land spit you out. You just kept working the soil, and at some point the soil spit you out. That's how one of the prophets describes it. Now, why is this so interesting? Why is the land such a big deal? Because if you don't let it rest, the soil gets depleted, and then it can't provide for you what it would normally provide for you because you're in an improper relationship with it. And the reason I find this so profound is when we don't give our bodies our minds, our hearts, our souls, our brains, when we don't give them the rest that they need to be restored and refreshed, then they can't give us what they need to give us, and things begin to break down. If you do not live with a rhythm of life and you keep pushing it, then you're asking your body, your mind, your soul to give you something that it can't. And you find yourself in some ways in exile in your own life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You constantly find yourself wondering what the point of it is. Despair, low energy. It's not just energy energy, but it's like heart energy to actually live. Sometimes the reason why we're having this sort of battle in our mind and heart is because we haven't honored the rhythms that are built into the very fabric of creation. So uh, the reason why I think this is so huge is because of how many people I meet who are asking, who are in some level of turmoil, and the answer may not be the thing that you think it is. The answer may be, let's start with a grounded, centered rhythm of life and see if some of these issues don't in some way take care of themselves. Because for me, the past couple of weeks, my schedule, my rhythm has been totally thrown off and my brain has been all over the place. And also, one of the things I noticed is my natural instinct is just to keep working. When in doubt, just keep pushing forward. It's almost like the longer you avoid those rhythms, the more you need the adrenaline hit and the buzz, the more your life and work become more like a drug. Got to get the drug, got to get the drug. And then it becomes harder to get off the drug. So for some of you who are like, yeah, rhythm of life would be nice, but the moment I have any silence, my brain just races like crazy. Yes. It's because in some ways we just simply become addicted to a certain pace of life. And it will be, the withdrawals will be hardest at first. And Kristen, even this week, was like, relax. What are you doing? You're working on your next two books? Come on. (laughs) Come on. Come on. Take it easy. These weekends are like a big deal. So in the middle of the week, just chill. But I noticed that something, there's like a default thing when you're thrown off your rhythm that is like, whatever you do, just keep going. When actually every part of your body, mind, soul, and spirit is saying, can we just like take a break? So here's why I tell you this. I tell you this because I've been doing this for 13 or 14 years. I changed my schedule, and now, just when I get it nailed, I got to cook it all up again. That's good, isn't it? 
That's a good point, isn't it? <laughs> Here's why that's funny to me. Because there are all of these ways that we beat ourselves up because we didn't get it right the first time. And you hasn't been tried before. You're a new phenomenon in the history of the world, and you're figuring it out. And it's almost like just when you figure it out, then things change a little bit, and you have to figure it out again. So how do you find balance? One tiny step at a time. Uh, to all of you moms who are like, yeah, it might be nice to be a rest, have a rest, but I have young kids. Anything you can do to create rhythms, even like swapping with some other mom, and you just get a couple hours off, any way in which you can get some rhythm built into your life, tiny little steps can be huge. Uh, turning your cell phone off, even if it's for 45 minutes, even if it's for three hours, knowing the phone is off and we won't be doing any email, any little bit of rhythm you can add, any turning things off, turning things on, any new experiment, any new schedule, anything you can do to create a rhythm of on and off, work, play, engaged, disengaged, whatever you can do to let the land lie fallow. Anything you can do is a step towards health. Sometimes what happens is we realize we're so out of whack. We're going 100 miles an hour, and then we're like, well, I got to get all the way over here. It will take, it literally took Kristen and I years to get to the point where this Sabbath rhythm was just a normal part of our lives. And now it's just so deeply ingrained, but it took a long time because the modern world is insane. It's completely insane. And so, Secondly, or is that thirdly, it's important to remember that when you begin to live with rhythm, you will be confronting a system that only knows how to go 100 miles an hour. When you live with an on and an off, when you're engaged and, dis and then disengaged, you are living in a culture that knows one speed. It knows 100 miles an hour in that direction. And so you are confronting a system. You are subverting a system. And that takes tremendous perseverance. It takes intention. And the thing is, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. So it's lunchtime Saturday. I'm going to eat my tacos. Then I'm going to talk the rest of this afternoon. Then I'm going to get on a plane, go home to Los Angeles. And then tomorrow morning, I'm going on vacation with my family. And we're going to get in the car, and we're going to drive, we're going to see some stuff. There's going to be no email, there's going to be no phone. It's going to be some serious Sabbath for a little while. And then in the following weeks, I'm coming to Austin and Miami and Durham, and I'll have to figure out like the new midweek whatever rhythm. We'll have to figure all that out, but we can do that. We can figure it out, and you can too. You can figure it out. And it's so much better. So Saturdays are going to be great. But so are the Wednesdays, maybe the Tuesdays, <laughs> maybe the Wednesdays, maybe there'll be three Sabbaths, who knows. Uh, but on those days, I'll be doing me some serious Shemitah, say it with me now. So you can do this, you can do this, you can live with a rhythm of life.
is there some way in which you've been violating these rhythms? You've been going, going, going without rhythm, and you need to just take one step. And are there all sorts of weird thoughts, ideas, despair, depression? Is there uh, questioning the whole thing? And maybe we need to start not by panicking, but asking the question, is this because I have demanded more of the soil or of my body or my mind or my spirit? Is it depleted? No wonder I'm a mess on the inside. And if we sort out some of these issues of rhythm, maybe some of the other things will begin to sort themselves out as well. And that, my friends, is the power of letting the land lie fallow. Grace and peace, everybody.